Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to Morning Footy on the Golazo Network. Happy Monday. Plenty of football to get to, but we have to say I'm in the host desk, which I never yes. am. Susanna couldn't make it, so it's the first time. Or did you kill Susanna? I right. never. I love Susanna. She has not responded to any of the texts. <laughs> back from vacation, finally. We missed him a ton. Yeah. Charlie Davies and Alexis Guerrero so back with us as always. But let's talk about that big matchup. At the end of last night, it was past 10 p.m. We should, uh. all should have been in bed to get up, but we were all watching USA against Canada. Showstopper, shot stopper, Matt Turner. Yeah, it, it definitely became the headline, Matt Turner. I wasn't impressed by the U.S. men's national team. It wasn't dynamic. It wasn't quick. And Canada, to be frank, wasn't that good. The game, <laughs> they weren't. What great enough. Not good yeah. versus not good. Yeah. You gave us more analysis you, of what Wesley Fafana was eating. <laughs> you, 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 you should expect the U.S. to get more of a grip in, in, in these types of games to feel that confidence, and you could tell that that confidence was dwindling away as we were approaching 90 minutes, and then Brandon Vasquez comes up with the header goal, and it would have been, you know, just the right thing at a moment where the U.S. was struggling a little bit, but then it became this crazy back and forth. Um, Give them a little I, credit, though. It's a C squad versus a highly motivated Canada. I don't disagree with anything you said, but... You know, Canada definitely came out. They, the coach it's, came out before and said they scored less because he told his team to stop scoring or he wanted to score less so he could play America. I mean, very clearly we're gunning for wanting to, for, for, to play the U.S., so very motivated. That's, but yes. that's typical John Herdman. Yeah. But you give the way he set up this Canadian team, you have to give him credit because what they were intended to do was just frustrate the U.S. and, and play defensive, look to... And find them on set pieces, expose the They US clogged the midfield. They gave the U.S. They, no they opportunities in the midfield. They did a midfield. fantastic job given what they have. Mm -hmm. I, I think Bombito did a good job of just breaking up plays, being a, a, a extremely strong and physical in the midfield, making smart movements. Uh, Richie Larea just, again, trying to just frustrate Richie players, going Larea down easy, dangerous. looking for pen, penalties. He was also chipping away at, the, at every player. He would get in their face, look at them. He would do something to really annoy the player that was in front of him. I thought it was incredible. Yeah, typical to Richie Larea, but and, and not to take away anything from Canada because for sure that's what Herman wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But I'm looking at some individual performances and I'm seeing a lot of unforced errors and giveaways. Jalen Neal at the beginning of the game was shaken. Bad. And even up until he was he was taken off, he, he didn't look sharp. Neither did Gianluca Busio, despite his impact towards the very end of the game. There were moments that in the midfield that the U.S. was trying to play out. And, and, and Busio couldn't hit a pass to a teammate. The ball was going out of bounds. Uh, Georgi Mihailovic, who I expect a little bit more out of also... They weren't sharp. You could tell in their faces when they got subbed off. They knew that they didn't play a good game. They all, oh, Georgie Mihalovic also had a lot of trouble playing out of the press. 
problem was it felt like they had no outlets. I mean, it almost at points looked like uh, like Canada was playing with 13 or 14 players would, out there. How would, how would you analyze Jesus Ferrer in this game? I mean, he had to come back into the midfield plenty of times to check, get the ball. It looked like he was out on an island, but I'm also not going to that, give that as an excuse. This wasn't his strongest match. Charlie, when you say that um, Canada had a certain game plan, during halftime, Jenny Taft reported that B.J. Callahan had said, um, we know what they're trying to do. We know their game plan. We know what they're trying to do. What does he mean by that? What exactly <laughs> were they trying to force the U.S. to have to do? Not allow the U.S. to play central. And That's it. When you see Georgi Mihaljevic trying to come back and check, that plays right into what Canada wants you to do. They want Jesus Ferrer to, ha to have to come into midfield as your number nine. Then you lose your target man. They want Georgi Mihaljevic to try and take too many touches in the midfield. Busio and Sands were, were all not on the same page. So Sands basically just protected the back four. He looked better out of the trio, but in terms of what you want from this midfield to play through the lines and, and find those pockets, they weren't how, doing that. How many times did they break lines? Did Not they, many. They, they you, you, could count, you could count on one there, hand. There were, moments, there were moments specifically where I remember out of the back, I don't know if it was Neil, someone played it, and then it was like this penetrating pass from, from the defense to the midfield. It, it was, was kind of that. It was to Zendejas, and it was one. And then it was like, whoa! Yeah. You know, that, that was the, the, the only moment that you got out of, out of your seat and you were able to see the U.S. break down. And that Canada. was in the 55th minute. Yeah. So think about how, how Canada was set up which was, we're going to play these rigid lines, we're going to force them to play wide and, and play these hopeful balls. It worked in, in Canada's favor for, for most of the match. But it did change a little bit when Cade Cowell came in. He started really pushing yeah. up against that the back line, making those runs. It was, it, was the yes. changes, it was the changes that B.J. Callahan made that ended up winning the U.S. this game because Dewan Jones is one of the, I think, the, the ultimate bright of, spot of the Gold Cup, along with Matt Turner, of course, who whose stock goes up even though... He Who's gonna wasn't be on the asked show. to do much. Who's going to be on the show later right. today. But Ooh. let's we're going to get dive deeper into this match later on the show. But first of all, let's talk about that England and Spain match, that final, the U21 final. England wins 1-0, and they finally win. We have our social producer, Josh, wearing an England jersey, something he hasn't worn the entire year. <laughs> uh, but, but let's talk about that match, Nico. I mean, it was so exciting, the way that it all came down, especially with Spain having the opportunity to make it 1-1 um, and then England stopping the penalty kick and, and seeing this game out here, Abel Ruiz with the opportunity to... Nah. The double save. The double save, yeah. Look and at the follow-up here. Boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James, James Trafford, Trafford yeah. had a match. He stood on his head. Uh, again, they did not give up a goal the entire tournament. Six matches, six clean sheets. James, I mean, the defensive, uh, the, the back line really stood their ground, but you got to give credit to James Trafford. He is absolutely incredible. You know, De Gea has gone from Manchester United. I said, is this James Old Trafford? You know what I mean? Should they go out and buy this guy? Because he's looking pretty good. Um, it's the first team to ever do it, to, to go through a U20 tournament, 21 tournament, and not concede. Jeez. It's, just, it's incredible. And this, we've seen it, this young English side, the full team, with so many young players coming through. Now you look at this group, and they just continue to get stronger. Anthony Gordon takes home player of the tournament. I, I'm, I'm really high on this group. I, I knew Spain would, would give them some problems, but ultimately this team is so talented. With less give, possession. Give, uh, give Nigel Ruacoker a little credit. He did say they would win and they did. Fine, I said oh, it. Oh, wow, okay? you went out on a limb there. Yeah, I said it, I said it, but I did want to give him credit because we both said Spain would win. But I think Lee Carson, I'll to me. I'll that just to Yeah, of course, me too. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Lee Carsley, uh, the manager for this team, I think is uh, showing a new way for England to play. You know, it's a, it's a slightly, like, you know, when you think of England of old, it was the get stuck in, don't give up any, you know, don't give up anything in the midfield, take players out if you have to. And they're starting to transition into a bit more of a, of a flowing, maybe a slightly more positional play. And I think Lee Carsley is showing that the, the, the lower levels, uh, the lower uh, age group is doing that at a, a little bit of a better level than I think Southgate is doing it with the, with the senior team. Kaylee Sutton will be back with the headlines when we come back. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Here's Kai Havertz, new Arsenal player, meeting the Arsenal dog named Wynn. And this is the content that our producer, Jen, loves that Alexis here hates. I don't hate. I just, if you look at, look at the reaction on Kai Havertz, he's like, how much longer do I have to do this for? <laughs> I don't want to upset anybody. I'm just happy we didn't pay $100 million for the dog. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Kaylee Sutton, <laughs> you and dogs. Dog. I'm, I'm assuming you like the video? I love dogs, and I love that Guy Havertz loves dogs, too. I also am an Arsenal fan, so quit being a hater. Alexis. I'm not a hater. <laughs> we love Happy dogs at the Arsenal, the Gunner Dogs. We love it. But listen, I've got some other Premier League news for you coming up here on your headlines. We'll start with Tottenham. They're in no hurry to sell star striker Harry Kane this summer, but that isn't stopping German champions Bayern Munich from continuing their pursuit. According to multiple reports, Bayern sent Tottenham an improved offer of $90 million plus add-ons for Kane, a significant increase from that $76 million opening bid made by the Bavarians. Spurs chairman Daniel Levy is reportedly already set to reject the new offer, with Tottenham reportedly seeking at least $128 million for Kane, despite the fact England International has just one year left on his contract. From one long-serving player potentially leaving the Premier League to another, we'll turn our attention to David De Gea, who announced over the weekend that he's leaving Manchester United after 12 seasons at Old Trafford. The Spanish goalkeeper bid farewell in a social media post, ending speculation about his future at United since his contract expired after the conclusion of the recent season. De Gea was the last remaining player with United to play under Sir Alex Ferguson. The Red Devils are reportedly lining up Inter, Inter Milan goalkeeper Andre Onan as De Gea's replacement. One player who won't be changing clubs anytime soon is Anthony Robinson. The U.S. defender has just signed a new five-year contract with Fulham, agreeing to a new deal despite reported interest from the likes of Manchester City and Newcastle. Robinson was heading into the final season of his Fulham contract, but he chose to stay with the London club he's been a part of for the past three seasons. Another American who is poised to embark on a new life in a new league is Christian Pulisic. According to multiple reports from over the weekend, AC Milan has finalized a $24 million transfer from Pulisic, who leaves Chelsea after four seasons. Pulisic helped the Blues win the 2021 UEFA Champions League title, and he now joins a Milan side that includes some familiar faces. Former Chelsea teammates Olivier Giroud and Fakayo Tomori, and recent teammate Ruben Loftus-Cheek. And Brendan Aronson has officially completed a one-year loan move to the Bundesliga side Union Berlin, leaving newly relegated Leeds after one season at the English club. He joins a Union side that will compete in the Champions League next season, a team that will also feature fellow U.S. men's national team player Jordan Pifok. Aronson's younger brother Paxton will also feature in the Bundesliga for Eintracht Frankfurt this season. Now, Charlie, the Bundesliga has been pretty good to Americans before. Do you like this move for Aronson going forward? I do like this move a lot for Brendan Aronson. Union Berlin are super competitive. They're in Europe. And the formation that they play at 3-5-2, I think that suits Brendan Aronson because 
he could either play as that withdrawn striker next to Geraldo uh, Becker was ultimately the, the star striker for them last season, or as an advanced attacking midfielder as a number 10 underneath the two. So I really like this role for Brent Aronson in this club. Plus, it doesn't get better in terms of getting competitive minutes in the Bundesliga. Similarly to Leeds, because Urs Fischer has this more pragmatic approach and we're most going to see him, I think, in, for example, like in the Champions League when a lot of focus is going to be on Union Berlin, I feel like when they get like those big fish in their group, it is going to be very practical. So just like in Leeds, you're going to have to make the most. I, I don't know how a striker takes that. It's someone that plays on that forward line that might not get as many chances in a more free-flowing style and, and open. Do you feel more pressure to deliver, for example, in, in these games where Brendan Anderson, similarly to Leeds, m might just have to make the most out of the few opportunities he gets on the ball? When you're talking about Champions League, yes. I mean, you're not going to get many opportunities, and so you got to be efficient. If anything, you learned at, in the Premier League, in those moments, you, you have to be careful with the ball. You got to make the right decision. And I think in terms of his style, he is a pass-first player. Mm -hmm. So in, within the Bundesliga, if, if you're a, a teammate of his, you know that he's going to work his butt off. Because hmm. There's not a player that I know that comes, comes across as super committed to winning the ball back for the team and setting up others to succeed. That's Bernd Aronson. You love that about him. He's going to work for the team. Now he has to figure out ways when he's on the ball how, how to impact the game. Because it's not just about being great in the counter-press. He's used to that being with in, in the Red Bull Salzburg system and then with Jesse Marsh at Leeds. When they are in position, can he dictate the tempo? Can he do a little bit more? Can he offer a little bit more within this team? If he can do that, that's where you're going to see him evolve and elevate his, his style of play, which will ultimately earn him more playing time with the U.S. men's national team. And it's a team that doesn't get that many chances, so can he create those chances? Can he be that? Because he's got a, he's got a great engine. The fans are going to love him for that. He's never going to stop running. He's never going to stop working, especially defensively, which they are, like you said, very pragmatic, very uh, low block. But when they get those opportunities, which they don't get that many per match, can he create that opportunity for the striker, which is what I think you're bringing him in for. If he can, there's going to be a standout opportunity for you saw, him. You saw in the, in the Premier League, when he got hit, you, you just saw him drop off. And that was a, the big knock within, within MLS. When Bern Aronson was playing in tight spaces and, not, and there wasn't freedom and room for him to run into, he struggled. So now in the mm. Bundesliga, when you have those moments when teams are maybe in those low blocks, because sometimes they're going to be playing against... Uh, less opponents, because Union Berlin are one of the top teams in the Bundesliga, yeah. how does he impact the game in those tight spaces? Can he find room? Can he create space for himself yeah. on the ball? I and think can he impress? Because it's alone. So if he impresses and Leeds gets promoted, this is a great opportunity for him. Yep. We're all excited to see how Brendan Aronson does during this loan move. We're going to be talking more Gold Cup next, just as promised. Stay with us. The Gold Cup semifinals are set. Here we have Mexico against Jamaica. That's going to be played in Las Vegas. That's going to be a rematch of the 2017 semifinal that was ultimately won by Jamaica there. USA against Panama will be played in San Diego. They have met in the Gold Cup knockout rounds five times, guys. But the U.S. has won all of those, including two finals. When the USA won the last final in 2013, this is a little bit of trivia for you guys. Guess who scored that one goal? Hmm. No. What'd you say? 
<laughs> in the 2013 match when the USA played against Jamaica, oh, sorry, Panama, who Clint scored Dempsey. the goal in the Gold Cup final? No. Try Landon again. Donovan. No. One guess from you? Brekshay. 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 No one, no. I knew yeah. it was Brekshay. <laughs> yeah, that was the next one I was going to, I was going to Brekshay. Okay. US so Panama was the final? Yeah. 2013? That wasn't the uh, Freddie uh, Freddie Do. No, no, that was 2011. No. 2011. Anyways, bit of trivia there, got you guys there. So what was it? Minus 40 points for you? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Why am Minus I the only one to get points? points? Did you guess? Because yeah. you're Alexis. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I started at negative points. I didn't guess. I didn't take a guess. You I didn't take a guess. Minus zero. Um, let's get to those quarterfinals that led these teams into those semis, and let's continue on our conversation about the USA against Canada, since we all stayed up for it last night. You were pointing out your player of the match was Dewan Jones. Charlie. Well, Matt Turner is the player of the match, but one player that I think has benefited from this Gold Cup is Dewan Jones. His, his timing of his runs, his delivery, the service with his left foot. Mind left. you, this Unbelievable. is his, he's right-footed. Yeah. He's really developed as a left back. He, he doesn't look out of place. And Did he ever play right back? How, like, my yeah, question, he, my he question right back. Right. Was he always a left back? He was an attacker. For the Revs? He was uh, going to the Revs. He was wow. an attacking player. And then, it, it, just by chance, he was put at left back in a game against Montreal Impact, a uh, uh, club, club de foot Montreal. And next thing you know, he's bombing up and down the left side. They go, all right, we're going to keep him here. And he stayed. <laughs> and, like, and he's he developed. Stays. <laughs> and he's continued wow. to work at his game. What I love about him is his mentality. He's honest. He's a, he's a, he's a good teammate. He's a leader. And he's so open to learning. He's hungry to, to impress. He's hungry to help the team. He gets up and down, and his service has just continued to get better. The, the ball to Brennan Vasquez that was, incredible. Was, was fantastic. Quick peek up, finally had some space in front of him and said, hey, let's try it. I mean, literally on a dime. And the one thing I like about Dewan is he'll, he'll, he'll take some risks. He'll, he'll, mm -hmm. take, he'll take a shot at going a little bit further, maybe take on a defender or two. If the ball gets taken away from him, he loses possession. He doesn't kind of pout. He doesn't get frustrated. He gets back. He Wait, immediately runs back. There's not too many players who have that pace to get back. And where he's, I think, matured is early on as that left back, because he was a, an attacker, he was always going. I'll, I'll go, I'll go, I'll be open. But now it's, I'll wait. Let the, let, let the play develop, and then I'll, I'll make that run. Because I don't have to get there early. I have the pace to make it up. Just play it in the space, and I'll get there. So I love the fact that He's tucked in, he knows when to tuck in, he knows when to get wide, and his defending 1v1 is, is one of the best. I feel like if you, if you would have shown the goal from yesterday, the 1-0 to anybody who didn't know Dewan Jones, they wouldn't have known that he's a right-footed player. And, no, and, and the way that he lofts that ball, he's very confident with the ball on his left foot. So now he gives you two abilities getting forward. He can give you down the line. He can give you cut inside um, and the service. I, I think that's what was needed yesterday. Um, and, and he recognized that moment. So did Brandon Vasquez. And I think from yesterday, those are the two uh, bright spots from the field players because they recognize that moment. And hey, if, you need, if it's not working down the middle, if it's not working out wide, you got to skip lines somehow. And Dewan Jones saw that opening. Brandon Vasquez read it really well. And it was a really nice golazo. And for the U.S., it was it should have just like locked down, ended there on a penalty kick that it's like, you know, this handball that's, you know, that just, it, it's so directly, indirectly involved in the 
the final moments of, of what could be a, a clear goal scoring opportunity. It's like you're going in for a tackle and it hits your hand and it's just unfortunate. Yeah, um, that second but time in a match. Ma Ma yeah, Robinson but that was the second time. She should yeah. be a little bit more, not contained, but just less brash almost because he did, it was two times that he did get called for it almost, right? Yeah, he was, he was, he was, a, he was a little too sturdy in, the, in that moment, you know? Uh, <laughs> I do want to say Dewan. I think we have to start asking, is it, was this good enough from Dewan Jones to be considered, let's say, Anthony Robinson's backup? Yes, that's what he's playing for. It's an yeah. audition. Anytime you put on the shirt, especially in, in this BC team scenario, you are trying to make a case for yourself that when the A team is, is brought together, that you get called in. 100%. And, and there hasn't been one player yet who's, who said I can be a left back for this team, that I can be the backup for Nobody. Anthony Robinson. Dewan Jones has, has finally arrived and said, I'm here, and, and he's showing it with his performance. I think of all the unestablished players, so I would consider you know, Matt Turner established. He's the number mm -hmm. one. You know, thank you for being a part of this tournament because we clearly <laughs> needed you, but I would, you know, he doesn't necessarily need to be on this Gold Cup squad. Dewan Jones needed this opportunity, yes, he and he shined. What about Every, that? Everyone needed this opportunity, and a lot of them are not shining. And Would you say that people played themselves off the roster as opposed to played themselves yes. on the first team? Yes. Uh, one player in particular is Alex Dejas. I wasn't He's played sure. himself out of the B and C squad. I wasn't sure concerned. what to expect from him coming into this term because he needed a big performance. Because if you make the switch from Mexico to the United States, that one-time switch, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose the United States to go down because I think my future is here. Well, there's a lot of, of players in those positions that he plays in. The depth is crazy. So you need per big performances to, to warrant a call-up. And with every opportunity, the four starts that he's had, he, he's underperformed in every single one. There's an overpopulation of wingers on the men's national team. Yeah, there, he hasn't given me any confidence that he should be given more opportunities on, in a and better squad. I do think James Sands should be given an opportunity on a better squad, and I do think he would shine in those moments. I'm not necessarily sure he becomes your starter on the, he, on the A squad. You're, you're not necessarily sure he would shine in those moments? I'm saying I think he would shine. I'm not necessarily sure he becomes your starter on your A team. I don't think he's. I don't think it's. But it's, he, has, he's he, has, he hasn't shined I, I know, all I know. season long. How all, all, all tournament long? Season. How has he not shined all tournament long? He's played 90 minutes in three of the four matches he's played in. He's he's won the. That doesn't tell me that he, he was in the. He was in the best 11 for the tournament. Uh, you can say what you want, but there's other players. They're look playing at, across the, the board. Look at the 11 that. You, you play the out. players that are in front of you. He's won the most duels. Uh, in, Charlie, in, well, he's won the most duels here. in four, three out of the four matches. Alexis, Charlie's biting his tongue. Yeah, say what you want, but he's he started in every match. What more do you want? He's, you're asked starting to, in every match doesn't. You're doesn't asked to defend well. the back line. He's done that. He's had uh, the completed the most passes against Trinidad and Tobago. You you shuttle him the ball. He's advanced this far. But what do you want him to do? Not shine. He's shined yes, in the moments no, he's been asked. So, so he's gotten the, he's gotten he didn't minutes. Shine yesterday. He didn't shine. How did he not shine? Did he look bad yesterday? But he, but in, in did he look bad yesterday? That's a yes or no question. Central Did he look bad? He didn't look good. Did he look bad? He didn't look good. Did he so look bad? Did he look good is a question also. Did he look bad? You're saying 18, No, right? but he's, average, he's He's been in the top three in, score, in ratings from both SofaScore and FobMob for each of the matches oh he's played God, in. Oh, my God, SofaScore and FobMob, the gods of football. What more do you – I'm think. giving you his accolades. I'm giving you things he's accomplished, and okay. you're telling me he's looked bad. Alexis, in terms of the central midfielders that the U.S. has now. Defensive midfielders. Tyler Adams, yes. Okay. Eunice Musa now. Mm -hmm. Weston McKinney can play there. Right. Does Kellen Acosta That's why there. I don't think he gets to that A squad. 
That's why I don't think, should he be given an opportunity to show he could be depth, he could be backup for the A-team? Absolutely. This guy's the captain. He had the he was leading MLS in most duels before he left for this tournament. And most duels won. We're, we're, we're treating him like he's playing badly when he's not. He's doing the job that he's asked. He's standing in front of that back line. He's making sure that attacks are, are being diminished as they're getting to that back line. Defending, uh, protecting players like Jalen Neal, who didn't look good. Protecting a back line that hasn't solidified, that doesn't have a center back partnership. This man is being asked to do yeah. that, and he's doing that. This is the captain of and, NYC. I think a it's guy a, who was playing in Europe prior to the season, yeah, and, and now he he's showing that he's at that quality level. He needs, to, he needs to have a good tournament, stick and he's doing it's, it. it. It's a difficult measuring stick up until now. I want to see him shine. Okay, fair. I take what you say. Let's see him shine in the semi and in the You don't think he's final. earned an opportunity for another tournament to start a defensive midfielder? Not they. Well, what tournament is that? Whatever the next one, I mean, we're, we don't have, have any common you you nations friendlies. <laughs> you got Nations League and you got Copa America. Okay, right. probably not the Copa He's America not, squad, but you don't I think the Nations that, League gets I a shot. I think that this conversation could go on for a very long time, but we do have to get to a break. We've already cut multiple segments talking about James Sands. So we're going to talk the U.S. women's national team when we come back and their win against Wales. Uh, Trinity Rodman show, guys. The absolute Trinity Rodman show. Another one of Alexis' favorite players. The U.S. women's national team played their last friendly before heading to New Zealand for the World Cup. And it was the Trinity Rodman show, guys, like we previewed. They beat Wales 2-0. Trinity Rodman scoring a brace in that match, coming off the bench. And, and a lot was discussed before the game of what that trio was going to look like, the attacking trio. And my man Alexis said that Trinity Rodman uh -huh. was the one to watch out for and in this upcoming World Cup. And that she should be a starter. And she's she's making her case. And I'm saying Sophia Smith alongside her and Alex Morgan. That is just look a, at this goal right here. Bodies her, puts it in front of her. A goal no goalkeeper would stop. And it's an a incredible curl. shot. It's a curler here, Alexis. Look at that. Mm. I mean, this is these are these are these flashes and these moments of brilliance that will win you big, big games, will do something big in a tournament like a World Cup. This is a player, you have to find a way to put Trinity Rodman in the starting 11. I don't know where, I don't know how, she needs to be in there. There's only one spot. I mean, Sophia Smith, Alex Morgan, and Trinity Rodman. So it's one of the three spots, and she's only playing one of the two because Alex Morgan's spot's locked, and I'd say Sophia Smith's spot is locked. So it's between Alyssa Thompson, Lynn Williams, and Trinity Rodman. And I'm with you. I think Trinity Rodman has is, is got to be on the pitch. I think we all agree Lynn Williams will be your change of pace player, your off-the-bench player. So what, it's between what about Alyssa Thompson the fact that Alyssa Thompson started, she had a lot of action, ran a lot, and opened up some space, um, ran off the legs a little bit, for Trinity Rodman to come in and do what she did. Is that maybe a plan that Vlatko was thinking about, or you guys wouldn't start her at all? If that was the plan to tire the team out with Alyssa Thompson and then Trinity Rodman comes in fresh legs when everyone else is a little bit more tired, maybe, I guess. I, I don't know why you wouldn't want to start with someone that dynamic, though. No, you, you're not trying to tire out a, a team in a, a tune-up yeah. game before yeah. a World Cup. This is, I need to get my, my team ready to perform at their very best. I want to see sharpness. I want to see passing patterns. I want to see dictating the tempo, shot, creating shots, creating opportunities. That is why you play this game, to get uh, – you're playing a weaker opponent in Wales. It's the first time they ever these two teams ever played against each other. And you want to just get a, a good feel for the team going into so the World Cup. That's, that's my question, right? I think it's easy to go with the headlines, Trinity Rodman, the best performance because she comes in and changes the game. But how was the overall performance of the United States going into a World Cup? You have Vietnam, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. 
And I imagine Vladko's going to put out the best team he's got. Uh, against Vietnam because despite them being a weaker opposition, that first game, you want to win it by as much as you can and it definitely sets the tone going forward for the, for the national team. But what's worrying is that have these performances, question for you, uh, have these performances, consider Ireland where they won just by one goal. It wasn't ultimately convincing over the 180 minutes in the two games that they played. They are nine wins in a row. Nine wins in a row. For sure. That's the stats. That's the the stats. Argentina was, was for the men's, 30-something wins in a row and lost to Saudi Arabia. So come World Cup, to me, the streaks aren't that important because I'm looking at the overall performance. The example you use is they eventually became the World Cup winner. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and I hope that if U.S. can follow suit just like uh, the, the champion in, in, in the men's found a way to get over adversity because adversity is presented in the World Cup. This isn't going to be easy for, mm-hmm. for the women's national team. And I'm, I'm, I'm concerned that against a, a Wales, against an Ireland, where you're over overall, you're not that convincing, and and I don't think Vladko overall. You look at Vladko's reign, and it's been like they are dominant. I don't know if dominant is a word you would use. And no. you look and you look at the players. There's so much quality in this squad, and I just feel like it still needs to click that that last component to to, to make it dominant. Right, and I, and I agree with you. I don't think that we have seen the U.S. women's national team that we have wanted to see, but it's also that other countries are getting much better and everything is catching up. But um, a lot can be said about that conversation. I think one of the things that we should touch on about this game, though, is the fact that Rose Lavelle did not play in this game, and that's something that we were looking forward to. Has she been healthy enough to start? Has she been healthy enough to get some minutes? She did not. Neither did Julie Ertz. Yeah, I, another question mark for me is Alyssa Nair. She didn't get tested in this game. And if anything, you want to see where she's at. What, how does she move? How confident is she getting tested before the World Cup? Because the Wales had two shots, zero on target. Yeah. That, 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 that for me is a big question mark going into this term because Alyssa Nair, whoever is in goal, and if it is Alyssa Nair, she's going to come up massive at some point in this tournament. Most concerning for me is Lavelle on the bench, a clear indication that she's not 100% and that they are gonna hold on. Like, you could have, if she's not healthy enough, could have swapped her out for somebody else. Nah. But they you are have to, holding yeah. on as much as they can, but where is she? Like, no one really knows. No, no one has if a she, Is she close to 100%? What, also, we what's her know. match fitness? I mean, where is she on being able to even give you 45 at the quality we're expecting? And you talked about, I'm sorry, Nico, you talked about this. They're not showing what we've seen in the past, which is an overall domination of other teams, a completely clicking on, banging on all cylinders. We haven't seen that. To Jenny's point, the midfield is that issue. It's that yeah. transition from a great defense to a great offense. You know, that, that incredible attacking. That midfield is usually shuttering that ball forward, and we're not seeing that. And for me, that's because Rose Lavelle's not there. I'm looking for Ashley Sanchez to, to take the rein and say, I'll be that connection point. I'll be, the, I'll be what gets the ball back from the defense and makes this offense click. And we haven't really seen that overall yet in that midfield. One of the exciting things that I saw on the U.S. women's national team is the back line, finally playing with that four that we expect to be the starting four um, and seeing how high our outside backs in um, Crystal Dunn and Emily Fox get and how much they're involved with the attack. That's something that I think 
everyone needs to keep an eye out because they're incredibly great attacking players and they get back. I mean, they have the resilience to get back. But when we talk about the U.S. Women's National Team, we have to talk about the big announcement. I mean, just in soccer in general, the icon, Megan Rapinoe, announced that she will retire at the end of the 2023 NWSL season. And, and we know her for so much on the field, but off the field, her, her impact has been felt in so many different areas. Um, and to say goodbye to her in this game is one thing, but we know that she will continue to make an impact in everything that she does. But let's take a look at all of the things that she has done uh, during her U.S. Women's National Team career. She is a two-time World Cup winner. She won the Golden Ball and the Golden Boot in the 2019 World Cup. She's won uh, Olympic gold and bronze medals. I mean, she was the 2019 Ballon d'Or winner. There, there is so much that we can say about Megan Rapinoe and her career. I, I just remember t 2019, she was untouchable. Just on every touch was perfect. Every set piece, every cross, finish. And what stands out to me is I met her in high school. So wow. we were McDonald's All-American. Um, and she was obviously on the West, I was on the East. And our teams would get together, and so I got to, to know her and to see where she went from there. And she was super talented, but not maybe as as outspoken and 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 confident and and you know with the swagger that she has now. And just to see her at the way she's grown, and as much as she has done it for the U.S. Women's National Team on the pitch, off the she pitch. might be bigger off the pitch. I actually the remember. Courage is what stands out to me. Courage yes. and, and being and, able to speak for, for people who, who don't have a voice. That's just, that's probably been the most incredible. She, she was one of the first to kneel. I hosted a. Uh, she was the first. I hosted a massive uh, tournament. For, for women. There was, a, uh, there was a massive tournament that took place in Charlotte, North Carolina, and she was one of the big guests. And it was a Saturday, it was great, it was packed, Arsenal players were there, it was packed. Sunday, it looked I'm like, is Taylor Swift showing up? Why are there so many kids here? It was jam-packed, and I remember there was a little girl came up to me, and she said, is, is when's Megan coming on? And I was like, oh, she's probably not gonna be on for a couple more hours. She's like, my dad said I'm not allowed to stay, because obviously, you know, Megan is very outspoken politically, and I guess the dad didn't agree. And I remember this little girl crying, and she gave me an envelope and said, can you give this to Megan? I was like, sure. I'm like, I don't even know if I'm gonna be able to get to Megan. So I made sure that, you know, I, I asked her people, I said, hey, this little girl dropped this note off. She's not allowed to, sh to stay here. Can you give this to her? Megan Rapino opened it in front of me, read the whole thing. She very clearly got emotional. It was talking about how much she loved her. There was a drawing of Megan in there. And then she gave it to a person and said, make sure you give this back to me because I want to write back to this little girl. And I'm like, there's someone who's very clearly understands the impact that she's made on these children. And it's, it's so important to see, to, when you meet these folks, when you meet someone who is outspoken and they actually ma match that expectation, it's not just for fanfare or for clicks. She really does care. It's an absolutely wonderful thing. And not that I had any negative connotation. She's a wonderful person before, but now it just solidified how great she was after that. I think it's epic when she leads the line off the field and she leads the line on the field. She just became this force in sport that I don't think a lot of athletes were able to, at that level, be. And in 2019, remember that there was this whole narrative about a team being arrogant going into World Cup and mm -hmm. women's national team, how they were I ain't going no like bleep in White House. Um, Come on, that's iconic. I, 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 look, I love a little bit of cockiness and a little bit of arrogance. You don't as, say. As, as, <laughs> my family is Argentinian. <laughs> they, and, and if you can back, and you have to back it up is, is the thing. And man, 
they just shut mouths left and right. The at, president at the was saying Cup. she wasn't a winner, it and was, she went out and won. Yeah. This will that, that always was, live in our minds. Yes. This will live no, and, in our and minds this, forever. The, the Alex Morgan yeah. sipping tea. It, man, it, that the, World Cup was epic. When you when you tell that story, Alexis, I, I spoke to an academy coach for OL Reign, um, and he feels so honored to have worked alongside her and like along you know, to get to see her work day in and day out. He said the ethos that she is, the celebrity that she is, is actually who she is day in and day out. And he said the OL Reign Academy players go after a photo shoot. She's been in a photo shoot, a magazine shoot, for like five hours or more in the sun. And they go and they just want a picture with her. And she has the, the acknowledgement that that moment is very important to them in this moment, just like you said, and takes pictures with all of them, has conversations with all of them, even though she's been there all day, sweating, doing interviews, all of these things. Um, she acknowledges how heavy the crown yeah. is that she wears, and she wears it well. And I don't think that so many, or I don't think many people would risk everything the way that she does, mm -hmm. and she does it unapologetically, and she does it because she cares, not with any other impact or, or with any other reasoning behind it. And you can tell she means it. She wants to stand up for everything that she is and that the people that don't have a voice, she stands up for. And I... I'm honored that she plays our sport. You know, it's given our sport, women's soccer specifically, uh, the kind of visibility that other women's sports aren't getting as much because she was willing to be that character that the U.S. women's national team needed. They needed an outspoken person. And uh, I just think it's such an honor. And we're so lucky that she got to say goodbye on her terms. We have this entire season, this World Cup, to watch her say goodbye. Um, and I hope that stadiums fill screaming for Megan Rapinoe um, this entire season. She's sitting on her 200th cap. I thought she was going to get it yesterday. Yep, she didn't step in yesterday. That's another one that, that we were expecting to see. But she will get that 200th cap, we, I think, during get, that get World, in the Cup. World Cup. Get, get it in, in the, the World Cup. Something that we, we just want to say goodbye and, and really show her the proper goodbye during this year. And hopefully she gets that third World Cup here um, in New Zealand and Australia. That, what a way to say goodbye to her, to her. Wow. We'll be talking MLS when we come back. Taking a quick switch from that emotional moment there.